Well, hello there and welcome to today's episode of the Seven Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to help you prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial dreams a reality. And if this right now is your very, very first episode, I want to say welcome. I'm super excited to have you here. And if you're returning, welcome back. You are absolutely what makes this show possible. And I appreciate you so much. And I am so excited to announce that today's guest is the one the only Mr. Kevin Harrington. For more than 30 years, Kevin Harrington has empowered entrepreneurs and innovative business leaders to turn dreams into mind-boggling reality. He's an original shark on the hit TV show Shark Tank, the creator of the infomercial, pioneer of the As Seen on TV brand, and the co-founding board member of the Entrepreneurs Organization. And Kevin has pushed past all the questions and excuses to repeatedly enjoy 100 times success. His legendary work behind the scenes of ventures has produced well over five billion dollars in global sales, the launch of more than 500 products, and the making of dozens of millionaires, and 20 of his companies have each topped 100 million dollars in revenue. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much, but I want you to look out for three specific things. Number one, the power of creating what Kevin calls magical transformations. And this was one of the key elements to all of Kevin's business success from when he was just 15 years old and starting a driveway ceiling business that ended up doing $5 million in sales in today's dollars to the over 20 products he's helped take to do over $100 million in sales. So make sure you're on the lookout for that. Number two, how when Kevin originally launched Tony Little's Ab Isolator product, it was actually a failure. But then Kevin made one small tweak that took the product from failure to doing over $350 million in sales. So if you have a product or service that isn't as selling as well as you wanted to, you'll want to pay attention to what he did. And number three, how Kevin determines if he should continue to keep trying and working on an idea if it's not working and when he decides to move on. So all that to look forward to in today's episode. One other thing before we dive in, I want to give a pre-show listener shout out this week that goes to L Grinks, who left a review saying, wowza, and this is a, a longer review, so I'm really grateful for this, but I'm going to read it. It says, truly amazing podcast. With so many podcasts available, it's hard to differentiate among them and choose the ones that can provide the most value to you. This podcast is one of those gems that provides the most value for time spent listening. Every episode I listen to, I am both inspired and impressed by so many factors. Brandon put so much work into the podcast, which is evident from the research he puts in beforehand. I have no doubt that Brandon will rise to the ranks of Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan. He is a true conversation architect and the guests he has on provide so many insights ranging from starting a business to optimizing other aspects of your life. I find myself saying, wow, or no way, often only to realize that they can't hear me. Amazing conversations, amazing content, five stars all around. So wow, thank you so much for that review, L. Grinks, that absolutely made my day. And if you're listening to this and you're a returning listener and you haven't left a review yet, you can head to sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review to find out exactly how to do that. And if you choose to leave an honest review, I have a little thank you gift that I'd like to give you that will reveal exactly how I get incredible guests like Kevin Harrington on the show and how you can get the high level connections you need to grow your business. So all those details can be found again at sevenfiguremillennials.com slash review. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible conversation with the one, the only original shark on Shark Tank and inventor of the infomercial, Mr. Kevin Harrington. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, 
how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Kevin, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Brandon. I'm really excited uh, to get a chance to hang out with you today. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And your newest book is Mentor to Millions. And before we dive in, I just want to say to everyone listening, I was absolutely one of those millions that was impacted by you. So in some alternate reality, I probably wouldn't have this podcast uh, because long story short, when I saw you speak when I was a college sophomore and you encouraged everyone to write a book. And I thought that was a great idea. And you gave out your assistance contact information. I reached out to her, coordinated with her, and she got an approved quote for, for my book from you, which was incredible for, for me. And I was able to kind of leverage that to kind of network my way up. So all that to say, really excited to talk today and spread your message even more. And so grateful that uh, well, Lieutenant hey, Waldo when, when you start by telling me you did what I told you to do and it worked, <laughs> you, you just made my day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. So here's here's, here's my plan for today. So I don't normally do this, but this is a, your time is very valuable. So what I did is I, I, I attended the school of Kevin Harrington over the past few weeks, read mentioned a millions, listened to 10 interviews. And I watched your Ted talks and even watched some of your OG Ginsu knife infomercials. Right. And what I did is I looked for some patterns. And, and so I kind of created like a one page and I'm like, okay, if I can do a 30 minute interview, what, what can we can fit in here? So I, I have a whole bunch of things. So if you're ready to dive in, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. I'm ready. Cool. All right. So before we go on to the list, I want to start with a story from your childhood because most people know you from Shark Tank. You're the creator of the infomercial. Companies have done five billion in sales, 20 different companies over 100 million, and it seems like superhuman. But like everyone else, you had to start somewhere, right? So I'd love for you to start with an earlier story that I think really explains how you've been able to do what you've done. So you paid cash for an MG Midget when, and for those of you that aren't car people like me, it's a convertible sports car when you were 16 years old. So would you mind telling us the story about how you were able to do that and how you paid for it? So, so a couple of things, I'm one of six kids, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I'm number four. And so my, my two older sisters and older brother, my dad was a bartender and, you know, he was a hardworking guy. He worked 80 hours a week and, but he didn't want to just do that for somebody else all his life. He saved up money and then he opened up his own place, Harrington's Irish Pub. So at 11 years old, I was in there working a 40 hour week at a dollar an hour. And I'll never forget, I said, a couple of years into that, I went to my dad and I said, look, by the time I get my 40 hours, 40 bucks minus some taxes, and you know, <laughs> it's like, I think I'm netting $35. Um, and I'm working after school every day, weekends. I said, where's the, the big upside here? Of course, back then, a dollar an hour is different than it is today, too, because this was in the this was in the 60s, by the way. So um, and my dad said, well, look, he says, when you're ready, you got to start your own business. He said, you can't, you know, you want to work for me? I'm, I can't, you know, I'm not going to pay you big money, you know, because I can find talent all over the place. You need to find a business to start. So I won't get into all the details how I figured out I wanted to be in driveway ceiling, but it's uh, the one thing in my world that I've created with my products, Tony Little Fitness, go from 200 pounds to 125 pounds. What's happening? Skincare, magical transformations. So driveway ceiling, and this was the other thing. My dad said, look, you got high school coming up. You're going to have to pay for your high school. And by the way, your friends, I, I, we lived in a neighborhood where we were in the older homes at the bottom of the neighborhood and the newer homes were where the millionaires lived. So 
we, I actually went to school with some very wealthy people, but we had no wealth in our family. But these kids were getting, you know, they were getting sports cars when they turned 16, gifted from their parents. So my dad said, and by the way, don't think you're getting any sports car for your 16th <laughs> birthday. You got to go earn the money and buy it when you're ready. So when I was 15, I was knocking on doors. I wanted the money for that car. I wanted the money for my high school education. And I was knocking on doors, grabbing people and showing them the magical transformation that I could create on their driveway. And I and I'd do one across the street, then I'd hit the whole neighborhood and we'd get 18 or 20 jobs. So I was doing over 10 driveway ceilings a week when I was 15 years old, made, made tens of thousands of dollars, paid cash for that MG midget car and <laughs> paid for my high school. And the rest is, is history. It was a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. It must've felt like a rock star. So I'm going to skip a little bit because you led right up to it. But I know another story you tell is that the first times you were knocking on those doors, you didn't necessarily get uh, everybody saying yes right away. Right. So would you mind telling that story really quickly about how you kind sure. of use some of those I mean, things? Now here I am. I said, when do I knock on people's doors? Well, it's, you got to do it at night because the, during the day, the husband's working, uh, the mother may be out. So it's six o'clock at night. I'm knocking on doors. And what if, hey, dude, it's dinner time. What do you get the hell at? They're slamming the door on me. And 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 uh, and some people felt they, I'm a little kid, 15 years old on my bicycle. OK, they're like, well, what do you <laughs> got to sell here? Uh, so and, and so I'll never forget. One guy was so nasty to me. He's like, I'm having dinner. I don't care what you're selling. I'm not interested. And I said, dude, no problem. I said, you know, those cracks out there when it gets cold, they triple in size. You know, maybe you can call me then. Here's my card. And he said, what do you mean triple in size? I said, well, when the water gets down there, it freezes. It's going to take those cracks and make them three times the size. I'm here to tell you I can seal them and beautify your driveway for 50 bucks. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, let me go tell my wife I'll be right into dinner and let's talk about this. And then bang, close the deal. Okay. So once I did one in the neighborhood, I get a sign across the street. I take a before picture and an after picture, magical transformation. And so now we, I go to the next door neighbor. Hey, take a look over there. You did that. Yes. When can you do mine? I was an order taker, not a salesman anymore. So yeah. I developed a system that worked. I would go into any new neighborhood and I'd say to the first people I talked to, I'm going to do your job for 10 bucks, the cost of my material, because I need to get one job done so I can use it as a showcase for the rest of the neighborhood. And then I went canvassing. And I mean, I did, I had that business for five years. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable as a, as a kid back in the, I mean, I started that business in 19, uh, 1971. I think I, I said 60s. It was actually, I was, it was, uh, yeah, it's 1971. It was the early 70s and um, had, had a lot of fun. Yeah, love that. And just a huge takeaway from everyone listening too. It's like, as you're getting started, how can you get that first, you know, testimonial, that first transformation that you can then leverage to do anything and that can be in service businesses like Kevin was talking about or product businesses, anything that's so, that's why I wanted you to tell that story because I think it's so powerful. So going back to the, the Kevin's secret sauce that I kind of identified, there's five things. So hopefully we can kind of get through them. But one of the, the, the huge, huge ones that I noticed in the beginning is this concept you call following the eyeballs. So would you mind explaining to people what that means? And if you were to kind of teach a college curriculum on people uh, how to use their eyeballs better, how would you teach that skill? Yeah, I mean, so look, I, I, I started one day I was watching TV and my channel was Discovery Channel. This is back in 1982. 
Discovery Channel went dark and there was bars on the screen for six hours. And I called the cable company and, and I said, well, I'm not getting Discovery. They said, it's only an 18 hour a day network. You went on when they're off air. And that's when I said, oh, oh wait a minute. I can, I, let me buy this, this time. It's not being used. And so that was the birth of the modern day infomercial business was me putting products on Discovery Channel, uh, unsold airtime. And so we went to Lifetime, we went to National, then we went around the world. But so so in starting that business, we had we were we were getting the eyeballs of people that were on cable or, or broadcast television. OK, so now what what started happening was this. I for years and years, we, we did billions of dollars in sales of different of all these different products, Jack Lane's juicer, George Foreman, Tony Little, Billy Mays, you name it, we did it. And and so I said, what you know, what, what what's happening? The business started slowing up a little bit about eight or nine years ago. And I and I and I, I did some real heavy research and I found television viewership had dropped by 60% and 60 million people had cut the cord from cable television, no longer willing to pay for it. Meaning I can't get my shows to the masses anymore because the eyeballs have shifted somewhere else. So I said, let's follow those eyeballs. Where'd they go? Oh, hey, they're on Facebook, four hours a day. Netflix, they're on YouTube, they're on Google, they're, they're Googling, they're Instagram. So we started going after all of those digital efforts. I sold As Seen on TV, Inc., As Seen on TV.com, made a lot of money on it, way more than I paid for it, and then moved into the digital space following where the eyeballs went. And now we're connecting with the billions of people that are out in the digital marketplace. Yeah. And another thing I want to kind of highlight that's something that you didn't say there, but like the willingness that you had to kill your darlings. Like, obviously, your whole business, your whole identity was wrapped up as being this seen on TV guy, but you saw where the eyeballs were going and you were willing to pull the plug and make a move like that. So I think that that's an incredible thing. So that's kind of like the the macro trend identification, right? So like we're seeing the eyeballs are going, but then there's like kind of like the micro trends. And there's like, there as somebody that has put so many of these infomercials on TV, you have certain things that you look for when it comes to, okay, this is where it's going, but this is product fits within this trend here. So yes. I know you've mentioned multiple times in other interviews that you have like a checklist for what you look for. So would you yeah. mind sharing a little bit of those components of what creates an irresistible yeah. offer that you're willing to invest in? Sure. So I think n- number one, because it was television, it was masses. You you couldn't take a product um, for a very niche category. Let's say for people with um, you know um, uh, with people with with cancer, maybe. Okay, um, I mean a lot of people have cancer, but the bottom line is is that we wanted the first thing that I look for is mass market. So is is it something that the masses will want? Fitness is mass market. Kitchen products are mass market. Golf and fishing may not be because there's only 25 million men golfers. Um, there are a lot of fishermen, more than that. But again, these, these are niche categories. If, if you're going to run on the Lifetime Network, 
you're, you're not going to be successful with the golf infomercial. So, so, you know, but if you run a kitchen infomercial on the lifetime network, you, you're, you're hitting the masses. So I look for something that's, that has mass adaptation. Secondly, I look for a big time problem solver and a problem solver solving that problem in a unique fashion, such that there's no other product in the market or service currently solving the problem in a similar fashion. Okay, so do you have a unique enough problem solving product or service that solves it uniquely such that no other product is already solving it in a similar fashion, right? Mm -hmm. Then I look for magical transformation. I just mentioned because people love to see transformation. They love to see the the, the, the good guy win, right? Um, mm -hmm. a, a woman comes on at the beginning of the show. She's overweight. She's heavy. She, she says, I can't even get on a bicycle. Then Richard Simmons comes out and says, Hey, I've been working with this woman now for six months. Let me show you the progress we've had. Now she suddenly reappears. She's lost 80 pounds and she's in a bike just soaring down the road. That is magical transformation, skincare, beauty, uh, fitness, kitchen, a lot of different categories. Now, when the COVID hit, there was a big push towards PPE, personal yep. protection. Everybody wanted fast masks and 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 sprays and things like this. So, so hit the market when when there's a great opportunity. The timing of when you go is important, and I also say it's important to do competitive analysis so that you have uh, an opportunity to know what out what what is out there in the marketplace. But the last step of all of this is making sure that you have a great irresistible offer, okay? So many people came on Shark Tank and they thought the sharks owed them the money. It's like, they, you owe it to me to invest in my company because you're rich and I'm not and I have a good idea. And it's like, look, forget about all that because that means nothing, okay? If, if, if you can give me an offer that makes sense for my investment, you know, I'm a shark. Yes, I need to get my money back plus a nice return on my investment. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and and people say, well, I'll give you 5% interest on your money. Give me a million dollars and I'll give you 5%. Well, guess what? I'm earning way more than that on my million dollars that I've got with my financial investors, uh, and my financial advisors. And, I, you know, I'm not going to take the risk that I'll never see my million yeah, from you. That's passive. So <laughs> make it an irresistible offer. That's yeah. the that's oftentimes where people fail in a big way. Yeah, love that. And there's so many components that go into the irresistible offer than just the product. Like, what is your guarantee? How are you doing the risk reversal? So, like, I probably don't have time to dive into all of those. But if you're going to spend some time studying stuff, what Kevin's sharing here is just so valuable. I've learned a lot from studying other people's irresistible offers. Maybe you can go back and watch some of Kevin's old infomercials, and you can kind of learn some of that stuff. So, another thing that's related to this is, um, you know, you you've done. I, I think it was your bulletproof radio interview. I heard you've done over 700 products, and you know, you've you failed on like 550 of them. So like as good yeah. as you are, like you're not hitting home runs on everything. Right. And part of your secret sauce is being able to adapt to the marketplace. So I'd love for you to kind of talk about the story of the ab isolator and yeah. how the first time out of the gate, it didn't work, but you worked on increasing the perceived value in order to make everything happen. Yeah. So um, the, the, um, the ab isolator was a Tony little had this little product that, that focused on getting your abs in shape, right? It was an assisted sit-up machine. Okay. And it wasn't a machine. It was a, it strapped around your legs and you held it and it, and it made it easier to do sit-ups. Right. And because people 
try to do push-ups and sit-ups and they can't. And, and then they get frustrated and they don't do anything. So Tony said, look, if you want to do a few sit-ups, it'll really tighten up your abs. And let me show you how easy it is with the ab isolator. Well, it was, it, it was, it was a $30 product. And actually, originally it was $40. And, and, and we we're having an issue with the, 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 the price value because this was just a little strap that went around your feet and then a, and a bar that you held. And it just didn't look like 40 bucks worth. So we came up, we had, we said, one of the, in, in creating irresistible offers, it, you, you've heard the, 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 the saying, but wait, there's more, right? <laughs> so here we did with Tony Little's ab isolator. Okay, you're going to get the ab isolator. We did two things. There's, there's a price. Uh, uh, and, and let me just, I'm going to use the word game because, you know, a price game and, and, a, and, a, um, and, and let's see what the, the other side of it is. Um, a numbers game, I think. Let me, let me, uh, I got to remember how I tell the story. Okay. But bottom line is, is it was $39. Uh, and, 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 and we said, but wait, for those that order right now, we're going to take $10 off and drop the price to 29. So now that's the price game. You built the, you built a value at 39, but now you're telling them they're going to get it for less, but wait, there's more. If you order right now, you'll also get this video, this video, this video, plus a subscription to Tony's 1-800 call-in service for absolutely free. You can have coaches coach you on, a, on every day of the, of, of the year, if you'd like. So we took, we put three videos out and we said, these are $20 value each. And then we morphed them in and put them on one video. Um, and so you got three videos, $60 value, absolutely free if you ordered right now plus the subscription to Tony Little Service. That popped this thing so big, we ended up doing $350 million in sales on the Ab Isolator. So it was all about the value of the offer and giving an irresistible offer. Yeah, love that. And just another takeaway for, for somebody listening to this, if you have a product or a service that's not really working well, how can you, like Kevin said, increase the perceived value? And another thing I think you this is the way you told it in Mentor to Millions is that they were seeing that they got this strap and they didn't realize like what, you know, I just paid all this money for this and I just got this strap, but you added all the training videos and they were able to see, okay, now that I, I got my money's worth because I got this training videos and I got all these other things. So how can you increase the perceived value of your product? Um, another thing, Kevin, I wanted to ask, this is something that I, I haven't heard you talk about, but like, how do you kill how do you decide when to pursue an idea or when to just cut your losses? Because obviously you kind of have a framework if you're testing so many of these things. So when do you decide to say goodbye or when do you decide to continue making it more irresistible and, and trying to make it work? So it really becomes a numbers game, uh, Brandon. I think that the, the issue is that it, so when we run campaigns like Ab Isolator, Tony Little and anything, Jack LaLanne, George Foreman, we, we spend, we, we buy media. So, so let's look at a, a, a hundred dollar item. Generally, the product cost of that hundred dollar item is going to be between 20 and $25. So I, I want to, you need a good markup on, on your product. So you got a, you got a five time markup. If you got a $20 cost, you got a four time markup with a $25 cost. Now, if I'm going to go buy media, um, I, you know, let's go, let's go spend media. I, I'm willing to spend as much as 50 cents on every dollar towards media, meaning if, if, if it's a $100 item, 25 for the product, I'll spend $50 on the media. I've got 25 left that will, will, will run 
all of the operations and the credit card processing and clearing and all of that. And so, um, and then I'll be left with about a 10% profit. So, so the, you know, if, 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 if I'm spending, and, and this is how we start the campaign, we start spending a thousand a day, but we want to see two to three to 4,000 in sales. Then we get to 5,000 in media spend a day. We want to see 10 to 15 to 20,000 in sales. We get to 50,000 a day, do a hundred thousand a day. We're only getting there if it's working. Okay. So, I mean, I got the ab isolator up to $1 million a week in media spend, generating $3 million a week in sales. And so if it's holding those numbers, then we just keep spending. And the beauty of infomercials was there's 1,200 TV stations in America plus 150 cable networks. So if it worked on, on five or six, it was likely to work on five or 600, by the way. Mm. So now we just had to take it out there and get it rolling. Yeah, love that. And just paying attention to numbers is so important. Like what's the cost to acquire a customer? And what is the lifetime value of that customer? If you can make those two numbers work out, it's really going to help you long term. So I know we only have like six ish minutes left here, Kevin. So hopefully, hopefully we can uh, squeak this one in here. But I've been really curious about this one. So it, it, you, it, and it was another interview you said, like the first 30 years you spent figuring out what kind of entrepreneur you want to be the next 30 years being that entrepreneur and the next 30 years you're focused on empowering entrepreneurs. So you've had yeah. incredible success. You made a ton of money. You've become a business mogul. You've traveled the world. You've done all this stuff. So I don't want to assume, but you don't really need another company to mean make a hundred million. So I'd love to know what is, what is the intention of this next phase? What's the end game and how are you starting to take action towards that next phase yeah. of your life? So, you know, what COVID came at a pretty good time, actually, for, you know, for all of us. <laughs> it told me. you to stop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first 30 years, I, you know, I was an entrepreneur doing all kinds of great things. But I, I started in the infomercial as seen in TV business right there when I was 28 years old. So right at the end of those 30 years, then I spent that next 30 years doing billions of dollars in sales. And so my my last 30 years, because I'm in my 60s now, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking at what I what do I want to do? Well, I'm I'm working a lot less, I'm playing a lot more golf, and I'm doing a, a lot fewer deals, but I still love doing deals. I mean, I even love hanging out with guys like you, Brandon, like we're doing right now. You know, I could be on the golf course, but I'm on a podcast with you. Okay. Why? Because you've got a message you want to get out. I want to empower you. And there's gonna, you know, I believe, like Zig Ziglar said. You can get everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. And that's my next 30 years. I've got a, two boys, one's 32, one's 23. I'm empowering them and they're building their assets and their business uh, acumen. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on boards. And I mean, who would have known? Here's a, here's, here's a little story. This is a product that I drink every single day. It's called Celsius Energy. Okay. Now, I started with this company as an advisor eight years ago. I joined their board, okay? And this company has grown from a few million to 4.5 billion. And I, as, a, as, a, as a founder, a founding board member kind of thing on this company, I've, I've got a lot of stock and I've got a lot of equity and I've made a lot of money in this, but I didn't even expect it, right? And so that's what I love about business and life is that you, you know, I was, I was helping out a friend. My buddy, Jerry David was the CEO. And he said, Kevin, I need some help down here. Can you help me out? I joined the board. The stock went from 10 cents, 
to $70, okay? And so, yes, I'm gaining and benefiting from it, but it all started with my goal to help people. So I'm going to continue to do it because it's working and just phase down the amount of hours. And by the way, it took us a while to set this podcast up because I can't do podcasts every day. I've, I gotta, I've got too many other things happening in my life and God bless. I'm glad we had a chance to do this today. But yeah, my next 30 years is empowering my family, my sons, and my, and entrepreneurs like yourself, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Kevin. This has been such a blast hanging out today. I know we got to get going here. So maybe we can squeak this in here as like a final, final parting piece of advice. But you just ended on such a powerful note of helping the right people. So any final piece of advice, because it's really important that you choose the right people to help. Because if you help the wrong people, you can screw yourself yeah. over. So so how do you find the right people to help that you want to support? So, uh, so this is what I, I say. Um, if, if there's any entrepreneurs out there that are, that are looking for help, looking to build a business, you need to create, surround yourself with experts, get a dream team, get a team of, of, of folks. I mean, believe it or not, people ask me all the time still, and I, I, I have to turn most of them down. But every now and then, like Jerry David called and said, hey, will you be part of my dream team to join the Celsius board? And we created $5 billion, you know, $4.5 billion or something, right? So it's... It, it is, it, it's amazing to be able to see that. And so I say to entrepreneurs, surround yourself with the best, best experts you can. You don't have to pay people big money. Um, you know, ad- advisors, advisory boards. Now, it, so I say set, get a business, get an advisory board, get a few members and, and, and let them have value by networking with some of the others. And you, by getting a dream team, you're going to set your up, set yourself up for success because you've got people that have been there before and done it and are going to help you weather the storm and, and do things the right way the first time. So get that dream team. That's the best piece of advice I can, I can recommend. And, and um, hey, we started out really good here. I'm, I think I'm part of your dream team, Brandon. It feels like this, uh, <laughs> we're hanging out a little bit, but um, you know, it's, this is how it all starts. You know, you do a podcast with somebody and then a month from now, you got it. Someone brings you a product. You want to bring it to me. We can be partners. You just never know how business works. So, yeah, but absolutely. get that dream team in place. For sure. And I have, I have a connection I want to make for you. If it, we, maybe we can talk about it afterwards, but I really appreciate your time, Kevin. This has been fantastic. And I look forward to continuing the conversation, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care, Brandon. Good luck. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I hope you really enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And I wanted to do something that I've actually never done before on a podcast, and that is I spent a lot of time prepping for this interview, and I only had 30 minutes, so there's so much that I learned from studying Kevin that we just didn't have time to discuss. So I figured instead of letting my research just go to waste, I wanted to also take a second to include some of the other key takeaways that I learned from studying Kevin's entrepreneurial success. So I have a list of five that I thought really stuck out to me and would be super valuable to share with you, so here they are. Uh, Number one, on hiring your dream team. So Kevin actually kind of concluded on the interview by by the importance of hiring your dream team. But one thing that he said in somewhere else that I I found when I researched him is that he says that most people only hire what they can afford. And that makes a lot of sense when it comes to hiring people on your team. But one thing that he said that stuck out to me was that I'd rather have 10% of the time of a CFO that can take me to 100 million than 100% of the time of somebody who can only take me to 1 million. So that's something that's really interesting is like, are the people on your team are they as high level as they possibly can? Because even if you can just afford them, there might be an opportunity to actually have less time of somebody that has more experience that can actually take you a lot further. So I thought that was really interesting. Number two, move 
move fast and fail fast. So we also kind of talked about this, but there's some other details that I wanted to just explain is you heard how Kevin, I think he said somewhere on the show or in somewhere in my research that he has launched about 700 product products, but he's failed on about 550 of them. So you can be someone like Kevin Harrington with billions of dollars of sales and have grown 20 companies past hundred million dollars and still not succeed every time. So I heard him quote this. I've heard this quote before and I love it, but he says, this is from Winston Churchill. Success is being able to go from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. So that's just a great reminder for everybody listening, no matter where you are on your entrepreneurial journey, lots of it is moving fast, failing fast, and you just got to continue. And no matter how much experience you have, you're still going to come across those roadblocks and you can't let it stop you. Number three, and this is a huge one, and I haven't had a chance to talk about this on the podcast yet, but I've heard many horror stories of this exact thing happening to really successful entrepreneurs and it completely derails them. So number three is the importance of having multiple merchant accounts and LLCs. So what Kevin does with his businesses is he sets up multiple merchant accounts and separate LLCs depending on how he wants to silo it. But you know, just because I know we always have people listening from the the beginning of the entrepreneurial spectrum to very, very experienced, a merchant account is the like a business bank account that allows you to accept and process electronic payment credit card transactions. So I've heard many horror stories of big companies, big entrepreneurs, where their merchant account just decides one day that they don't like you or that your product is too risky and they just immediately snap their fingers and eliminate your ability to accept payments from customers overnight. And it just devastates you. It's like, especially if you're running really, really high numbers. So huge lesson that Kevin talked about in a previous interview is the importance of having multiple merchant accounts. So if one merchant account decides they don't like you, you can immediately move all your customers and accept payments from somewhere else. So that's something that I think is just super important for everyone to understand, especially as you start getting bigger numbers to have multiple merchant accounts and backups and all that stuff. Number four, fair deals. So this was a really cool thing. And Kevin talks about how non-fair deals aren't scalable. So you would think as a shark from Shark Tank, you always want to get the best deal. And lots of people talk about negotiating. So you get the better end of the bargain bargain. But the problem is, is that as the venture starts to succeed, the people that got the worst end of the deal start despising the person that got the better end of the deal. So one of the things that Kevin talks about is he would actually rather take less and make sure that it is a fair deal. Because if you succeed, it's actually going to fail. <laughs> because if one person's pissed off, it's it's just not going to end correctly. So fair deals aren't scalable. So think about that in the partnerships that you create. Is everything fair? Is everybody excited about the growth? Because if you start adding that growth on top of it, and there's some kind of, you know, underlying feelings of discontent on the way that the negotiation went, really going to screw things over. So that's number four. And then number five is this thing that I am calling designing the board. So you heard the story about how Kevin created the infomercial. In 1982, he was watching the Discovery Channel, his screen went dark, called the cable company, found out that it was only an 18 hour a day channel, and he decided to buy the unused airtime. Ta-da, the birth of the infomercial, right? So another story that he didn't tell that's inside of his book is this app that he worked with called Starshop. So the developer wanted a million downloads, and traditionally, you would think about trying to market the app and all this other stuff to get to a million. But instead, Kevin decided to get a meeting with Marcelo Claire, who at the time was the CEO of Sprint. And since they sell you know, over a million cell phones a month, he said that if they put their app pre-installed on their cell phones, he would give Sprint equity in the company and percentage of sales. And they loved that deal. And a few months later, they launched this app with, on, with Sprint with 6 million phones. So those two different ways that Kevin solved the problem, the creating the infomercial and using the time, the time that was the screen was dark and then getting the app pre-installed on these phones makes me think about this analogy that I talk about all the time. And it has to do with chess. So when you're learning how to play chess, lots of the time 
the first thing you would try to do is learn how to move the pieces, right? Move the pawns, move the knights, move the bishops, the rooks, all that good stuff. But what really you should focus on is how the board works. Like if you cleared all the pieces off, how does the board work? Because once you understand how the board works, that impacts the entire game on both sides. And it's more important than understanding how an individual piece moves, right? Because if you have your pieces more concentrated in the center, you have more control over than if, you're, if your piece was sitting on the edge and not able to access more parts, parts of the, the game. So the reason why that's so important is because how can you design the board? How can you have board level thinking when you are building your company, your products, your services? How can you answer a completely different question and solve the problem much more elegantly elegantly because again Kevin could have looked at the task of getting a million cell phones and he but if he asked that question to a marketer they would have been like okay let's do this tactic let's do this that's that's the equivalent of moving the piece on the chessboard but instead Kevin asked himself how can I design a better board how can I design the game in my favor and that's when he got the idea to actually solve the problem by getting the app pre-installed on six million phones. So I think it's a really cool level of thinking and something that I think can shortcut lots of trial and error if you're willing to think that big. So uh, those are the five main takeaways that I got that we didn't get a chance to fit inside of everything. Hiring your dream team, moving fast and failing fast, the importance of having multiple merchant accounts and LLCs, the importance of having fair deals because non-fair fair, fair deals aren't scalable. And the last one is designing the board, thinking about board level thinking. So all those, like I said, I just wanted to make sure I shared that with you because I didn't want it to get a waste. I uh, would highly recommend you go check out Kevin's new book, Mentor to Millions. But besides that, again, I really appreciate you for sticking to this point and I hope you found a lot of value in that conversation and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show, and if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.